Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all, and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. We are one week into the French Open, and it has been so entertaining. Like I've talked about before on this podcast, without Rafael Nadal in this tournament this year, he's been in this tournament since 2005, and without him at this tournament, it's probably the most unpredictable and wide-open draw there has been. Now, there is clear favorites. There are players that are playing really, really well, but even if Rafa was a little bit injured or a little bit banged up moving into Rolling Garros, you could still expect him to be the favorite, or at least players are going to know that he's there and know when they're going to run into him. So without Rafael Nadal in this tournament this year, it's kind of opened up the draw for a lot of other people. Now, I'm bringing you this podcast after the quarterfinals have been decided. So what I mean by that is the quarterfinal matches are out right now. So as I'm recording this podcast, there are eight players left on the men's and women's draw, and I am going to get into that today and what we can expect from here Moving forward, busy week last week. I wanted to pump out another podcast. Time and situations didn't allow that, but I'm bringing it to you right now, and we're going to talk about everything that happened in week one. Before further ado, let's get straight to the quarterfinals, and then once I establish the quarterfinals, we can talk about how we got to this point. At the top, there's number one seed in this tournament, Carlos Alcaraz and Stefano Tsitsipas will play each other. Tsitsipas has been a finalist at the French Open before, and he knows what it takes to get deep into this tournament. Alcaraz has won a Grand Slam before. He knows what it takes to win seven matches and win a Grand Slam. So I think this is going to be a really good match. It's a one in the five. It's what you expect at the quarterfinals here. You expected this match in the quarterfinals, and you're getting it. Who's playing better tennis right now? I don't know. Uh, who has Sitsipas really played? Not really a lot of people. I mean, he beats Schwartzman in straight sets and Offner in straight sets. Elkaraz had to beat Shapo, beat him in straight sets, had to beat Lorenzo Musetti, beat him in straight sets. So, you know, someone's had a tougher, round, tougher road than the other. However, does it really matter once we get to this point? I don't know. So Alcaraz has always been good conditioning. He's always been a heavyweight player, and he's always been fun to watch. So I wouldn't necessarily count him out of this match. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Everyone's had their eyes on Novak Djokovic playing Carlos Alcaraz in the semifinals. Well, both of them have done their job to this point. Novak Djokovic will play Karen Hachinov in the quarterfinals. Djokovic kind of cruising through this tournament, uh, not really blinking like you'd expect from Djokovic. So I think Djokovic and Alcaraz being out of tournaments early on their way to the French Open has given them a lot of rest moving into this tournament, and therefore it's turned out big for them because they are cruising through the early rounds, especially the first week right now. Moving down to the bottom side of the bracket, Holger Rune will play Gasparud. These two just played in a tournament, and they don't necessarily like each other. So I'm very intrigued to watch this match. I will definitely be tuning into this match. I'm excited to watch this match. Rune is the sixth seed. Rude is the four seed. And Casper Rude hasn't had a great year. Rune has played really, really well this year. I'm really excited to see this match and what kind of unfolds here. 
as Holger Rune plays Kasper Rude. And at the very bottom side of this bracket, Alexander Sverev has had a fantastic tournament, been a great guy to watch. He is kind of coming back into his own of playing tennis again, which is awesome. You remember he got hurt at this tournament last year. So to see him get really, really good again, and this is his first tournament where he's really, I think, succeeded like he can and like he has in the past. So for him to do it one year after getting hurt uh, is is cool to see for him and cool to see for the tour, I guess. Uh, Tomas Martin Echeverry is who he's going to play from Argentina. Echeverry has had a great tournament. Lights out tournament. Uh, it's hard to believe that he's done what he's had to do. Now it helps when you know certain players like Daniil Medvedev, which I'm going to get to in a sec, are out early in this tournament. But Echeverry has beat some weapons on his way to the quarterfinals. We're going to go into that right now. Echeverry has had to play Jack Draper in the first round, and then he had to play Alex Damon Neuer in the first round, and then he had to, or in the second round, excuse me, and then he had to play Borna Chorich in the third round. And then in the fourth round, to get to this point, he had to beat Nishioka. Echeverry has had to play a ton of people. And for him to continue to win, Chorich in three sets, Nishioka in three sets, he's been an absolute weapon on clay right now. Argentinians, traditionally, Diego Schwartzman has played really, really well on clay. But Echeverry all the way to the quarterfinals, but he is going to run into a mammoth right now in Alexander Sverev. All right, we're going through the bracket here, and we're going to backtrack a little bit. We talked about... Uh, Daniil Medvedev losing early in this tournament. We're going to get to that here in a second. But Shapo, great tournament. Good to see him play successful tennis again. He beats Nakashima uh, and then makes it all the way to the third round where he does lose to Alcaraz. That's the point where you'd expect him to lose. But sometimes he has not necessarily played up to his level as I think so. So good to see him make it to the third round, even though his tournament's over early. Lorenzo Musetti into the fourth round after beating uh, Cam Nori. That was a huge win for Musetti to get to the point where he would play Carlos Alcaraz, although he would fall. Fabio Fognini, great tournament. He beats Felix Ogiele, a seam in the first round, beats Kubler in the second round, loses in the third round to Offner. Offner, a great tournament. Offner is an interesting you know, story going into this tournament. He, not a big name on tour. He had to beat Sebastian Corda to get to that point. The Americans struggled in this tournament, but he's ranked 118 in the world, and he's 27 years old from Austria. So for him to make the kind of run he did, very, very impressive, especially beating and playing the way he did some of the guys that he did to get to the point that he did in this tournament. Diego Schwartzman, good to see him like play well on clay because like it's been a while since Diego Schwartzman has played well on clay. Um, he does lose to Stefano Tsitsipas, but him making it to the third round, in my eyes, is kind of a victory for him, to be honest with you. Tsitsipas and Novak Djokovic have pretty much cruised up into this point. Uh, you look at guys like Davidovich Falkina just lost to Djokovic, but he had a good tournament making it to the third round. That's where he's supposed to be. Honestly, if players get to where they're supposed to be in this tournament, it's it's a good tournament because it's so hard to get to that point. Hubie Hercoc, the 13 seed, loses to... Gr no, sorry. I read that wrong. Loses to Varillas. Good win for Varillas in a 6-2 in the final set. So Varillas... Had to beat Batista Gut, and then he goes on to beat Hercoc. Great tournament for him, although his tournament is over. 
Uh, Stan Wawrinka, awesome to see him get back into the swing of things. He wins the first round, loses to Kakanakis, but in five sets. Wawrinka, back-to-back five-set matches. Incredible stuff from him. Uh, Kakanakis, great tournament. The Australian there getting to play Hachinov, but, you know, Hachinov is Hachinov for a reason. Ben Shelton losing first round, which kind of sucked uh, to Sanego. Sanego goes on to beat Andre Rublev. I thought Rublev might be in for a bigger run here. But that's not the case. Here's who I want to talk about. Gael Monfils. Monfils plays Sebastian Baez in the first round before having to go into Holger Rune. Monfils wins this 7-5 in a tiebreaker. This match seemed to go all night. Three hours and 47 minutes he plays Baez in. One of the most electric matches of his career goes deep into the night. He posts on Instagram and everything saying this is like the most incredible match in my life. Like it is way up there on my favorite matches that I've ever played. On Philippe Chatrier as well in the first round of five set match. That's the type of match. I mean, Sebastian Baez is a warrior out there. So nothing comes easy when you're playing Baez. But Guyam on feast winning in five. He had to withdraw the next round. He was dealing with an injury a little bit. But, man, he's an entertainer, and he continues, continues to entertain. And as long as he does that, the tennis world, they're going to love him back for sure because he is one of the best entertainers in the sport, hands down. Francis Tiafo loses to Alexander Sferov uh, here at the bottom side of the bracket. Tiafo had a decent run. Taylor Fritz falls apart. He loses early in this one. Yannick Sinner loses to Altmaier, which was surprising to me in the second round. Yannick Sinner, the eighth seed, that was surprising to me. Altmaier goes on to lose to Dimitrov. Grigor Dimitrov has a great French Open this year. I consider this great for him. The 28th seed makes it into the fourth round where he runs into Alexander Sverev. Dimitrov now sponsored by Lacoste. I think it's the new, the new Lacoste. It's making him play a little bit better because he had a great tournament. And then on the bottom side... Sebuth Wild, Tiago Sebuth Wild beats Daniil Medvedev in five sets in the first round. After Daniil Medvedev loses in the first round here, listen to this stat. This is the tweet that goes out from Christopher Clary that says, The first round isn't over. Nobody left in the bottom half of the French Open men's draw has won a Grand Slam singles title. Talk about a top-heavy draw, right? You have... Novak Djokovic in the top, which he's won 22 of the Grand Slam, so like obviously he's won a ton. And then you have Carlos Alcaraz up there, who's also won one. Daniel Medvedev's won a Grand Slam. He loses first round. No one else has won a Grand Slam title on the bottom side of the bracket. How does that happen? Who makes these brackets? I think it's also the way it's set up right now, right? Like who's what seed in the tournament because of how they're playing. But still, what? What? No one's won a Grand Slam on the bottom side of the bracket, and the first round isn't even over? Incredible, incredible stuff when you look at just the parody in tennis right now, I guess, is maybe a bad way to say it. But, like, this opens the door for everybody on the bottom side of the bracket, and you see people taking advantage of it, right? Like, Echeverry's taking advantage of it for sure. Alexander Sparrow's trying to make another run. Holger Rune and Casper Rude trying to do it on the bottom side of the bracket. So that's incredible. No one in the quarterfinals, though, from America. Um, you know, everyone had a really good Aussie Open for America, and then no American man reached the fourth round at the at the French Open. So, kind of disappointing. This is a huge stat, I think. This is one of the biggest stats, I think. Novak Djokovic overtakes Rafael Nadal for the most Roland Garros quarterfinals in history with 17 appearances in the quarterfinals at the French Open. Hard to believe because... 
Rafael Nadal's been so dominant on clay. So dominant on clay. You would not expect this to happen. But it does, right? Like, this is so weird for me. This just shows the dominance of Novak Djokovic. Because when you think of the king of clay, who do you think of? Obviously, it's Rafael Nadal. But for Novak Djokovic to play at this level and be so competitive still on clay for this long and be so good at all the other surfaces, which is the shocking thing, to take over the king of clay when it comes to the quarterfinal appearances. Now, I know this is one stat, and there can be a stat for everything. I understand that. But I'm just saying how impressive this is. Quarterfinal appearances. This isn't finals appearances. Quarterfinals appearances. He's done it more times than Rafael Nadal. Probably has something to do with Rafael not making it this year. But the longevity of the big three still shows because Novak Djokovic has passed Rafael Nadal in the quarterfinal appearances. Now, I'm sure there's going to be more stats as Novak goes further into this tournament. And if he wins it, obviously the big debate of who's the GOAT is going to continue to go between Rafa and Novak. Roger, obviously the first GOAT in my eyes. But this debate's going to keep going, 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 going. But this is a big stat. To do it at Rafa's tournament, impressive. Now, I know you want me to stop talking about everything else that's going on in the French Open so we can just talk about who's going to win this damn thing. Who's going to win it? I still think it's Carlos Alcaraz. He's my pick. Why would I back away from my pick if he's still in the quarterfinals? Obviously, right? He does have a very tall task in Stefano Tsitsipas, though, because Tsitsipas plays very, very well on red clay. That's not the match I really have my eye on, though, in the quarterfinal here. I have my eye on Holger Rune and Kasper Ruud because these two played not too long ago in a head-to-head, a match that Rune won. But Kasper Ruud and Holger Rune have been open about how they're not necessarily best friends. They got in a tussle once, not a tussle like fighting, but like some exchanged words, and there was some bad blood between them at one point. They've kind of squashed it a little bit, but they're not best friends, obviously, right? Like, they still in the back of the head know that it happened. I'm interested to see if these two wear each other out so bad that Alexander Sverev can win in three or four sets, move on to the semifinal, and these two are so worn out by their quarterfinal that Sverev can get another win and make it to the final. That would be very impressive for me to watch Sverev do that, obviously. Djokovic, I think he can take care of Karen Hachinov. Hachinov, big guy, big serve. I think Djokovic can move him well enough on clay to get a big dub there. Um... I think the two matches to watch are going to be Elkaraz Sitsipas and the Holger Rune and Casper Rude match. Those two matches in the semi or in the quarterfinals are going to be outstanding. I think it's going to go Elkaraz Djokovic Rude Sferev Rude again to play Carlos Elkaraz in the final. I don't know. I just got a weird feeling about Rude. He struggled so so much that I kind of feel like he he's upset and he wants to do it. And I think this is the tournament to do it. Although Holger Rune is playing incredible tennis. He has been a wagon as of late. You want to jump on a bandwagon of tennis stars right now that are young besides Carlos Alcaraz? Holger Rune is the guy I'm hopping right on the bandwagon. Not even shameful about it. I'm jumping. Let me get right on that bandwagon because he's playing great tennis. He's got a good team around him. He plays really solid at good tournaments. Like He's not afraid of the moment, and he's so young. So These are all the matches I'm looking forward to on the men's side. I'm going to get to the women's side here in a second, just touch about a couple things, but like, The men's side, I think, is still stacked for the most part. Still wide open, but still stacked. There's only really one big surprise, and that's Echeverry, which is awesome to see, if if I'm being honest. It's it's awesome to see him do that because Medvedev being the two seed, you kind of figured that's the best spot for someone to break through. So might as well have someone break through, and that's what happened with Echeverry. Obviously, I'm still picking Carlos Alcaraz to win it, though. I mean, who would I be if I said that, if I said not? 
He's playing well enough. He's I think he can win the next few matches. Like I gotta stick with the guy I picked at the beginning, right? If I pick Hachinov, I gotta stick with Hachinov, even though he's playing Djokovic. So that's my pick. Let's get to the women. A couple things I want to touch about here on the women's side real quick. Um, you know, Iga Sviatek is gonna play Coco Goff in the quarterfinals. Both these have both these players have experience going deep in this tournament. Um I'd love I'd love to see Coco Goff win this. Although I picked Sviatek to win the tournament, it's kind of a bummer these two are meeting in the quarterfinals because I'd like to, them to meet in the final. I think it'd be awesome. Um, Coco Goff, the American, would love to see her win the tournament. Uh, but Sviatek, obviously, playing really, really good tennis here. Ange Deber, still in this tournament. Good to see her there. Um, would be awesome to watch her walk away with the trophy here. Here's the story, Okay. Arena Sabalenka, the two seed, is in the quarterfinals at the very bottom. She will play Alina Svitolina. The reason this is a big deal for me, Svitolina making it all the way back to the quarterfinals in her first Grand Slam since having a child. Her and Gael Monfils are married and have a child together. She has worked hard to get back on tour. She just won her first tournament right before Roland Garros. First time for being a mom. Um, not first tournament ever, but first tournament after becoming a mother. And now she's in the quarterfinals. A remarkable run. Some of these matches she's had to come back from, you know, they've been close, 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 and she's just worked her fitness through it. But to see her come back to this level, I can't even imagine the emotional toll that she's taken over the last year and some change, right? Takes her profession off to go have a child, get married and have a child, right? Puts her personal life first over her professional life that's in the very public eye, and really her personal life is as well, does that. Her country's invaded by Russia, so she is a voice for Ukrainians during this time of need. And she's you know, arguing with the WTA about steps they should be taking. She's being a voice for Ukraine because she's one of the most popular Ukrainian athletes right now. All that stuff comes all the way back in her first Grand Slam back to do this, which means her training regimen and everything she was doing while she wasn't playing was back to top speed right after having a baby. Remarkable, remarkable stuff from Elena Svitolina. You can't not root for her, right? I like Sabalenka. I like Jabur. I like Goff. I like Sviatek. It does not matter, right? I, I'm rooting for Elena Svitolina just because of what she does, and I, des- I think she deserves the recognition for what she has done at this tournament because it is so admirable, and to see... What like to see it all come to fruition and what she's doing is really, really incredible, if you ask me. Last thing real quick before I let you go. I know it's a little longer of an episode. However, there's a lot to get to. It's the French Open. Hopefully, I can pump on another one right before the final or something like that. Coco Goff is also in the quarterfinals in the women's doubles draw. She is with Jessica Pagula. Those two have played you know doubles together so well over the years. Uh, they're the two seed in this tournament. It's no shock they've made it this far, but Goff being able to play singles and doubles and have this amount of success in both, obviously awesome. I'm dropping this podcast on Monday here in America. Uh, I think tennis resumes overseas at the French Open probably in about eight hours, maybe. Ten hours, I would say, maybe some of the good matches or twelve hours. So I'm gonna try to get this out, blast it out as fast as possible, so you guys can listen to it, so you know what to look forward to over the next week or so. And hopefully, maybe I get another podcast out before the final. I don't know. I don't want to put that pressure on myself because I might get busy. Some things are happening, 
But I do want to say that. So appreciate you listening. Appreciate you following along here on Believe in the ATP Tour with me. And really just watch some tennis this week. It's been great. French Open is one of the hardest tournaments to follow if you live here in the States. Uh, just because of the coverage and how the coverage is done, which I will get to at the very end of the tournament on the tournament recap. I will touch on that a little bit. But watch some tennis, okay? And tweet at me if you think you got a better guess of someone who's going to win. All right. I'm done. I'm see you. Bye-bye. I'm done. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.